Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for this place of worship that you have provided for us. Makes us even more grateful that uh, we were locked out for a little while this morning, Lord. But no matter what, wherever two or three of us are gathered together, there you are with us. And we are happily reminded of that, Lord. Nothing's going to stop you. And we just thank you, Lord, that uh, we look forward to your return. And we just thank you for teaching us to surrender and to be attentive to your word, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the anointing here today, Lord, to break every yoke. I ask that you heal everyone that hears this message everywhere they hurt. Help them in every way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul has just been explaining the mysteries of salvation and how God has, His mercy, by His grace, brought, made a way for the Gentiles who, which... That's what we would be referred to, to come in to the family of God. Make it one family and, and how he did that. and The amazing sacrifice that our father made on our behalf. And then he says, to open up Romans 12, he says, I appeal to you, therefore. Other version says, I beseech you, which is a more urgent Word. It's almost like he's pleading and begging, which is fine with me. If I thought I could get you to come closer to God by begging you, I'll beg you. I'm dead. The life that I live now is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The same power that raised him from the dead lives in me and gives life to this mortal body. Sometimes I don't feel that. So why do I say it? Because it's in the Word. And I believe it. If God said it, that settles it. He says, I appeal to you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, therefore. I remember I tell you, if you see a therefore in the Bible, find out what it's there for. I just told you, he just explained all the good things that God has done for us and all... And the, the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And he says, because of that, if nothing else... By the mercies of God, because of His mercy, I beseech you, I ask you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The King James, I, says, I think, says reasonable sacrifice. It's only reasonable that God should ask this of us now. Amen. Do not be conformed, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, changed by the renewal of your mind. That's how. That by testing you may discern or know what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I can show you where those are stages in maturity in the Christian life. We talked last year, last week, about the 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land to spy out the land. And how, how bad it was when they came back and 10 of the 12 had a negative report. All 12 of them saw the same thing, experienced the same thing. But Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who had a, were excited to conquer this land full of giants. But it also had giant grapes, didn't it? Giant houses that God had provi- was going to provide for them. And we talked about the fact that it was because Joshua and Caleb understood, just as David did when he came up against Goliath and he felt like he had an advantage over this giant... Because he was in covenant with God and the giant wasn't. Amen. Amen. But these ten had stinking thinking and it cost them. 
And not only that, but worse, I would say. They spread that poison to the whole nation of Israel, to all the Hebrews. And they all, then they wanted to what? Stone Joshua and Caleb because they had a good report. (laughs) Stinking thinking. These ten, they didn't magnify the Lord. And And I submit to you today that we are spiritual beings and and God has made us in a way what I'm doing I'm not flying I'm I'm imitating a seesaw here he has made us in such a way where we can't have both ends of the seesaw up at one time just like in the real world and we can either magnify the Lord or we can magnify our situations and circumstances. You know? We're all going to go through things, but it's a choice. You see, one person went through the same thing as this one. This one lives in the joy of the Lord, and this one is mean and hateful and a victim of the world. You see? Same thing. One chose to get bitter. One chose to get better. Amen. Now... Now, if they don't know God, if they've never surrendered to the Lord and invited Him in as their Lord and Savior and accepted the free gift of salvation, then they can still say the devil made me do it to some degree. Because they all, we all children of the devil before we become children of God. So when we look around, you hear these people on the news all the time talking about, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We are. Amen. Amen. These little ones are. They haven't even had to choose yet. Guess who's looking after them? He is. Okay? But the rest of us, by now, we've had to make a choice. And our eternal address has everything to do with the choices we make regarding the Son of God in this life. Amen. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Jesus is Lord. But if you wait till you see him face to face to do it, it's too late. I was telling someone a story yesterday about the guy who said he got, he got there and he was, he was faced with judgment and he was going to go to hell. And he's like, oh, wait a minute, I, live, I was a good guy. I, didn't, I just, you know, I got along with everybody. You know, I didn't, I didn't come into... God's camp, but I didn't go into the devil's either. I, I, st- I stayed right on the fence. And, and he said, well, the devil said, well, the fence is mine. Come with me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> go to James. And I want to, we want to talk about remedies. Amen. Amen. Those old boys had stinking thinking. They poisoned the whole tribe, all 12 tribes, and it cost them a generation wandering around that mountain. We don't want to go around that mountain for 40 years. We want to get it right. Just a few days' journey across that desert to the promised land, and they, they had to go around that mountain and around that mountain and around that mountain. James, way back in the back. Chapter 1, and go down to, oh, I'm just going to start at the 13th verse, just to always back up a little bit from where I'm really trying to get. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Amen. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, his own lusts. There's only those three original sins, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Right? It all begins with a thought, is what I'm trying to point out. Right here between our ears, every sin you've ever committed... Started in your vain imagination. You can't go anywhere physically that you haven't already been in your mind. Amen. Trust me on this. 
Don't trust me. Trust the word. Go search it out. But that's what I'm showing you today. It all starts with a thought. Each person tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, that thought, that lustful thought, that wrongful thinking. When it has conceived, gives birth. It incubates. It's like a seed in the ground. Or a seed in the womb. It's a picture he's trying to paint. We think on something. That's, that's why we always talk about rejecting those, those thoughts. You, can, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. But you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Or the lack thereof. On your head. <laughs> right? Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. You see? And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So sin in all its various forms is death. You see. Doesn't mean that you're going to fall over dead. God said to Adam and Eve, the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Well, they ate it and they lived for hundreds of years, didn't they? In their physical bodies. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23 points out that we are spirit, soul, and body. John 4.24 says God is a spirit. So he's looking at us after the spirit. See? That's how come he can look at you, Sam, and see you as perfect and holy. And you're like, oh. You know, that's what we do. We look in the mirror. Or we realize our stinking thinking. (laughs) And we, and even when people are calling us good, we're, the devil's reminding us of our evil thoughts. That's our soulish realm, our mind, our will, our emotions. God sees us in our born-again spirit, which when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that evil nature, that sin nature was evicted. And our nature was cleansed, perfected, and then sealed with the promised Holy Spirit until that that beautiful day. Amen. Amen. Right now, we don't know everything, but one day in our soulish realm, we will know all things. And then we'll also get a new one of these. Amen. Amen. Incorruptible. <laughs> Look over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to stick with this for a minute until we get some answers for our lives. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Come on, fingers. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, Look at verse... Let's just go back to verse 2. I beg of you that when I am present... Oh, no, that's not... I have so bold as concept. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raises itself against... The knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is amazing. This is an amazing statement. Paul is saying that we have the ability now to to control this. People say, I can't help what I think. I can't help what I feel. I fell out of love with this person. You know that's a lie? (laughs) You don't fall in love and you don't fall out of love. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. If we're blessed and we're fortunate and we, we, uh, we take care of our wives and we do, uh, we treat them like the Lord has treated the church and, and, uh, just like we're, uh, commanded to do and, and our wives are, do the things that they're called to do and we agree with God and we, 
do all of the things and include him in our marriages and our relationships, then you're going to have the things, those, that happiness you're seeking, that, those feelings that you're after. They will come and some days they'll be gone. <laughs> that doesn't mean you fell out of love. Now you can choose to walk away. But don't get me started. Let's just move on. <laughs> What they're talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is that we have the ability to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so if you have a thought, or if you're thinking on things that are contrary to God's word, then you are thinking on or you having a thought that is trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Above God's truth. Amen. And when you recognize that, you need to bring it into subjection to the Word of God. Most of us look to our situations and circumstances and our bodies to determine whether or not our miracle has come, has been granted, in other words. Amen? Or our body has been healed. Then, if we don't see the evidence after we pray, we tend to get discouraged and say, it didn't work. This should not be. And this is part of our problem on receiving from God, you see. We start looking at it and saying, it has something to do with me. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. We're just staying in the back of the book, so it's not that hard to get around. Just go a little further back. Hebrews chapter 6. Here's an instruction. So, that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Mm-hmm. 6.12. Hebrews 6.12. What he's saying is not to get lazy Spiritually. You know, there is spiritual laziness. I know some guys that work, seems like 24 hours a day, or girls, and they are the most, the laziest person you ever meet, spiritually. There's a, there's a big difference. I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that the things of God, the, the things that you already have, Inside of you, peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're all in there, in that sealed spirit. Doesn't mean they can't get out, just means nothing evil can get into that. Amen. But as you believe them and you trust in God, they will work themselves out. As you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out that which is already within. Amen. Amen. Work it out into this soulish realm. Your mind and your will and emotions. And then this thing will just follow suit. So he's saying, don't, don't, get, don't get lazy spiritually. Don't be sluggish, but be but imitators of those... Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. That's why I say surround yourself. Pray in some godly friends and mentors. Don't call that one that's just going to agree with you. And you're stinking thinking. Oh, you poor thing. That SOB. You don't deserve. You don't have to put up with this. And sometimes that might be true. But that's not the kind of, you know. It, it, it should be more like, I'm so sorry. And if you're in a dangerous situation, let's get you out of there, okay? Don't get me wrong. God ain't putting none of his girls around here to be smacked around. And he will step in. But 
It should be, I'm so sorry you're going through this at work or your finance, you know. Let's pray. What's God say? Let's just remind ourselves what the Lord says about this situation and circumstance. Amen? Amen. What are the promises of God? Let's find something to stand on. I'll stand with you. I'll agree with you. You know, that's a friend. We need to take every thought captive. That means weigh everything against the Word of God, against the truth of God, and see if it lines up. If it doesn't, then we need to correct it. It's that simple. It takes practice. Not standing up here as the authority or the, the perfect one in thought and deed. I want to be more like Christ every day. My aim, amen. And that's all we're talking about. It's not a, this is not a condemning thing. We all have stinking thinking. But you know, worry is like a rocking chair. It it gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. (laughs) You know, we have a, we have a beautiful mind. God has given us a powerful mind. And we're going to be meditating on something, thinking on something. And, you know, we can think on the promises of God, like I'm talking about here today, the beautiful things that God has said about us and and promised us. Or we can think about our negative situations and circumstances. That's just negative faith. (laughs) Worry is just the opposite of faith. It's unbelief, really. So, people say, well, you know, I can't just sit around on a cloud and play harp all day. I got things to do. I got a real life. I got, I got real problems. I got a real job. I understand. So do I. <laughs> and we're going to be thinking about something all day. I'm not saying blow your job off. I'm saying if you, if you exalt God in your mind and in your imagination and you meditate on the things of God... Uh, I heard a preacher say one time, he's so, so, so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. And I said, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. You should not be telling people that. I know what he means, because there are some people that just sit around and, and Paul talks about them. They just go house to house and they end up being busy bodies. They just want to pray for somebody. And then it's like they're looking for a handout because they don't work. You know, it's just, you can be... Or you just like, I heard a preacher talk about a young uh, a man that was coming up as a, being trained up to be a, a minister. And uh, he, he came walking in in the middle of service about 20 minutes late one time. He was all cocky and one, and he says, he says, what are you doing walking in here? So like he says, I'm just following after the spirit. And he says, get your butt down here and pray. He, he made him get down on his hands and knees. And at the altar and pray the whole service. <laughs> he was so spiritually minded, he was no earthly good, you see. <clears throat> God is not weird. He's not unreasonable. That's why, you know, a lot of you don't know that I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. I will help you with that. I pray in tongues more than I pray in my known tongue. I sing in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. I sing in my natural voice to God. I, I pray in my natural language. But the Lord tells me don't do that in church. The Bible tells me don't do that in church. You see? You know, if somebody wants to do cartwheels and juggle snakes around, hey, fine. Just, you know. And if you start doing cartwheels here because the anointing is so powerful, I'm not going to stop you. If you start bringing snakes in here, I will step in. <laughs> but God is not weird. You see, it's one of the things I had to learn when I came to God. And they start, people start talking to me about this stuff and say, you, you need this. And I'm like, I ain't doing that. That's one thing. I am not going to do that nonsense. That's, that's a bunch of, that's nonsense. And they said, okay. And a few days later, I was gushing forth beautiful Languages that I had never heard before. And powerful things start happening in my life. Amen? Trust me, if you don't have it, you need it. 
<laughs> Take every thought captive. I'm thinking of uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Because there is so much condemnation in the body of Christ and in the world. You know, most of the reasons that people act the way they do is either fear-based, even even angry people. It's generally fear-based. And that sounds weird, I know. You just see a big bully and just say, oh. but you ask him, the next time you run across a bully, say, what are you afraid of? And if, if they don't hit you, they might break down and tell you the truth. They're really, <laughs> they're really afraid of something. Something missing in there for sure. Amen. Second Corinthians five twenty one. People say, I'm talking about our thought life still, and we say, I'm not worthy. It didn't work for me. It might work for you, but it's, you know, I know what you're saying. I believe you, but uh, it's, you know, me and God, we got some things to work out. You know, you can make up all kind of good reasons and still be sound like a believer and still blame yourself for everything. Second <laughs> Corinthians five and twenty one says, uh, "For our sake, he made him." We're talking about Jesus. God the Father made Jesus to be sin. Who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You need to believe that. You need to believe and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When God looks at me, he sees pure gold. When God looks at me, he does not see my sin. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus. Because I'm telling you right now, when he, God considers the seed. When he looks at you, he either sees Adam or he sees Jesus. That's it. That corrupted seed, that fallen seed, that, that sin nature, or the regenerated new man in Christ, perfect and holy. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he's looking at you after the spirit, not after the flesh. That's why it seems so confusing sometimes to people that don't know God and are outside the church. And for even for a lot that are trying to explain the church to those that don't know, because they don't understand either. If you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you're going to have a very hard time coming to terms with the truth of God's word and who he says you are and what he says you have because you're going to feel like a hypocrite walking around all the time trying to trying to say these things you're going to want to claim these things you're going to want to proclaim these things but then you're going to feel rejected and you're going to feel guilty until you realize that he bore your guilt he bore your shame he re- he bore your rejection and your all that hurt that you're hiding. When he hung there, suspended between heaven and earth, having been rejected by both, it wasn't for nothing. It was so he could be finished. And go back home and rest. And for you to enter that rest. And now he's given you his authority. Here in the earth. While there's still a little time. He's coming soon. Since we're in 2 Corinthians. Look over in chapter 12. Turn a couple pages. Verses 9 and 10. This is what Jesus told Paul and what he's saying to you today. My grace is sufficient for you. 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Remember, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed to say that, to claim that, to believe that. Even though you don't always act Christ-like. I know that. And so does He, though. He knew it when He saved you. He knew it when He saved you. But I'll tell you this. The more you put on Christ, the more you will be like Christ every day. It's something, you know, you're going to get older, but growth is intentional. You had to do it on purpose. Amen. But don't, don't be afraid to know that it's in you. And look at just down the bottom of the page, 13, uh, verse 5. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. This is, this is not not condemning thing. God says, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged by me. <laughs> so I would rather take a look once in a while. Make sure that my thoughts are lining up to the Word of God. Amen. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. Then he goes on to say, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. <laughs> if that's the case... It's easily fixed. Amen. It's a free gift. I want to go back to Matthew for a minute and just touch on something. In Matthew chapter 13. Because obviously our thought life is important. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? And you are speaking words that are framing your life and future every day. So this thought life needs to come into subjection and into the obedience of this word. Because this is the only truth that's going to help that thought life. Humility is key. You have to surrender to God. <laughs> I know so many, I, I jokingly say this, but it's not funny. That so many people love the forgiveness part, but the Lordship, not so much. I can't let Him tell me what to do. It's my life. You know? you got to get past that. But... The heart of the matter, the heart of the believer is the garden of God, amen, of the garden of your soul. And you tend that garden along with the help of the Holy Spirit or the enemy, whoever you submit to, because whoever you submit to, you are slave to. And again, this is not hard. It's God or the devil. It's God or the devil. Jesus said, you're a slave to the one that you're obedient to. Here he's talking, and he says, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of his parables. That's why it's so important and why I love to talk about the heart of the matter, the, the garden of our soul, which is our heart. Matthew chapter 13, you can find this also in Luke and 
and Mark, but I'm just going to start right here in Matthew 13, verse 18. Jesus telling a parable of the sower. He's explaining it here. Here then the parable of the sower. Talking about the, the planter, the farmer, sowing seed, planting seed, right? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, can underline that or mark it somehow in your mind or heart, in your Bible, in your device, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. There are four different types of soil. These are the path people. The ones that don't understand it and the enemy just snatches it right away from them and it never never goes in, takes root, and bears fruit, and never can help them. The devil's goal in your life is to steal the word from you. This word. Because this is what can help you. Hello. As for what was sown on rocky ground, the next one besides the path is the rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Immediately he falls away. This is the person that he comes in to church. He gets very excited. Man, that sounds great. It bears witness, you know. There's all there's a part of everyone that knows God. You know, he has a conscience. He hears the word and he gets excited and he goes out and and he he goes, he goes back down to the bar and he, you know, and he says, man, I feel so good. I've been to church today. And then he gets two or three that come against him and, and, and mock him and say, you know, you believe that nonsense, you know, and he tells about how you know, their mom sent all their money to this crooked preacher and how this one did that. And the next thing you know, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, you're probably right. He just lets them, it's it just gone that quick. No root. No track record with God and Him yet, you see? No personal relationship. He heard something that sounded right, sounded good, it was true. But he let, he let tribulation and persecution take it from him. As far as what was sown among thorns, this is the third type, the thorny ground. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. You get so busy chasing your dreams instead of God's. Or like the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus, knowing, had a word of knowledge in the spirit, saw that money was this young man's problem. He was a rich young ruler. And Jesus is not going to ask everybody to do this. You'll notice he never asked anyone else to do this. He told him, you want, you want to follow me? He said, go, go give away everything you have to the poor and come follow me and you'll have riches in heaven. And the, little, and the young man went and he walked away re- dejected. God, his money, money was his God, you see. He didn't give anything into the offering plate that day. <laughs> Jesus just pointed out his problem and it was too much for the young man to bear. He loved money more than more than the thought of being with the Lord. Uh, as far as verse 23, what was sown on good soil? Now here we go. Some good news. Here's all of you. As far as what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. Notice that understanding is mentioned in two types of soil. 
The one who's very prosperous understood the word. The one who the devil was able to steal from is the one who didn't understand. It's important to get into the word. To meditate on the word. To meditate, to mull it over. You don't have to. I don't care if you read ten chapters a day. You know, there, or, or, or two scriptures. I don't care if your refrigerator looks like mine, and that's that's what you that's what you meditate on those scriptures that you're standing on for this particular time in your life. But you're just—it's like chewing the cud is the word that they meditating. It's like a cow just chewing gets all every bit of nutrient out of that grass. You see, just meditating, mulling it over until it really the light comes on in your life. I, that, then it's yours, you see. The devil can't, under, can't steal that from you. And then, what happens? That thing you've been praying and believing, standing on that scripture, that promise from God, that thing actually comes to pass in your life. God comes through for you finally. <laughs> and so you know that in your mind, in your heart. Yeah, a little bit of a track record. God is faithful. Huh. <laughs> but every time you do that, you get stronger. You get stronger and stronger in the Lord, in your relationship. Until some days you just fall on your knees and weep. Not because you're sad, but just because He's so good to you. And you remember all the times he's come through for you. He's always been there. He's brought you. He's brought you to today. Yep. I I know some of you have heavy hearts today. You're thinking of the things that are coming against you, and they're bad. I know. But think about the bad things that he's already brought you through. Amen. That's right. He'll do it again. He's going to do it again. He's got great things in store. He just wants to be believed. He just wants to be believed. Every time we talk about our problem, let me qualify this. I don't want people to think they can't say when they have sickness coming against them or if they have problems that they can never mention it, you know, or they feel condemned like they're not in faith. No, just... When you do talk about it, when you do share it with your friends, your loved ones, don't stop short of saying, but God said this. And don't, don't, don't settle for anything less than God's best in the end. And don't wait till you see it to believe that he's granted that prayer. Amen. Amen. Don't let the devil steal from you. Get some understanding about the word. If you have to. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> talk to me. Talk to someone else who knows. Better yet, talk to the Lord. He'll get you. You know, I used to do this all the time. Sometimes you just get, you grow up maybe in the wrong church or and you've been to some that aren't, and I'm nothing against anybody. I love the whole body of Christ, even though maybe some of his body's a little sick. But I would pray about something that didn't sound right, or was right, and he would give me the right information I needed every single time. God is faithful, and He's good. Every word in this book is in seed form. These little faith-filled containers. But just like it says in my book, seed don't grow in the sack. It's got to be planted into the garden of your heart. Amen? I can tell in just a few minutes what sort of seed someone has been planting in their garden just by talking to them. Sometimes I don't even have to talk to them. I can just be around them. (laughs) But if you're... If you're negative and you're depressed and you're bitter, your thinking is too. 
Yeah. It's all in seed form. And if you're filled with joy and peace and love, I know your prayer life is strong. I know that you are thinking on the right things. I, my prayer for every one of you is that you never let your, let your past be greater than your dreams. I see old people all the time that just give up. They sit down and become part of that recliner until they just die. They've found, they've lost hope. They stopped doing anything, and that's a prescription for disaster, you know. we got to keep moving. And it's because we retire from a job don't mean we retire from life. Sometimes retiring from a job is, God is just about to begin your ministry. <laughs> the plan he has for your life. Let's start with. <laughs> Jesus, he, Jesus walked for 30 years preparing for a three and a half year ministry. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Second Peter, and I'm just going to stop because I've kept it too long, but I just want to, I want to read something to you and then I will, I will quit. Second Peter, just starting at the beginning. Because I like what Peter says in his last letter before he was crucified upside down alongside his wife. Because he didn't want to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord was because he didn't think it was, he was good enough to be. I say that because I think he, he, he might have had some things to say before he went. He says... To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. The King James says, those of you who have obtained like precious faith. We all have the same faith that Peter did. If we receive the Lord. And we know that they used to line people up on mats along his path he took to the church. Just hoping that his shadow would fall upon them and heal them on his way. You have that faith. You just need to strengthen it. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. There's that understanding I'm talking about. You want grace and peace to be multiplied in your life? It comes through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has, has tense, granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need, already on account. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them, through the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. There's that thought line. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You all want to be effective and fruitful in your Christian walk. Listen to the Lord here. Listen to Peter in this opening chapter. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. You see? If you're not walking around in peace, love, and joy, then it's because you keep reminding yourself of your own sins. Pardon me? If you're walking around... In bitterness, in anger, in resentment. And you are not walking in or after the fruit of the Spirit of God which is in you. If you if you have Christ, 
then he's saying it's because you've forgotten that God has cleansed you from your own sin. And he, in other words, he's saying you are sin conscious and you shouldn't be. We are not to be sin conscious. We walk around condemned. And when you feel condemned, you're very reluctant to go and tell someone else about a holy God. They can see right through me. They know me. They know where I've been. It's not about you. It never was. And that's the same reason we don't receive our healing. That's the same reason we don't receive the prosperity blessings that we're believing for. It's the same reason we don't receive a lot of things. Because we keep justifying in our mind the reason we haven't received and it always points back to us. We might not share that with others in our attempt to be holy and humble. We just accept it knowing that we don't deserve it. You never did. You didn't deserve for Him to forgive your sins. You didn't deserve for Him to die on the cross 2,000 years ago. That's when He bore your sins before you ever committed them. Why, why pay again for something he already paid for? Such a precious price. Amen? Amen. 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 Oh, you know, you, you just never finish. We just stop and start again. Amen? Because one thing always leads to another. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for all of their patience. Being here today, Lord, thank you for loving us so much and helping us to grow up in your word. And because you want it to help us, you want us to put it in to good ground and protect it and allow you to nurture it so that it takes root and bears fruit in our lives. Help us, Lord. Heal us. Empower us. Give us revelation knowledge of your love and prosper us in every way so that we, in turn, can help others with the same help we have received of you. Thank you, Lord, for meeting everyone who hears this message at their point of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.